Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're going to do today. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for always being with us. Amen. About two weeks ago, Brother Mike was teaching Sabbath school. And he told us about an experience that he'd had in one of his churches. Someone in the church, they didn't like the type of music that was being played, so they he would evidently start from the back and right mic and rush up the aisle to confront the choir director, I guess. And he said that uh, one of the members sitting across the aisle from him said, Mike, we've put up with this long enough. It has to stop. So the day's the day, I guess. And so when he started up the aisle, Mike and the other member was to stand up and block him. And Mike said he'd run, he ran right through, right through them. And I said, I have to draw that picture. I'd never mentioned that I like art. There were those that thought I had great potential of being a professional artist. Uh, my teachers, my uh, uh, friends, my family especially. But it was, it was never anything to me but a hobby. My sister Shirley, this is something we inherited from our father. He was very artistic. And uh, she continued to study. There's nothing wrong with it. I just had... It just never occurred to me that this is something I would like to follow as a profession. But uh, she did, and she's she's a good artist, and uh, I'm very proud of her. If you look in the, the if you look in the uh, your computer, if you check it out, you'll find that Shirley Nunn. If you type in her name, she'll be listed as a sketch artist in Macquarie County. Uh, but I, there's a man by the name of Kurt Switler. Kurt Switler came out with a, a new art form. Now, up to the last century, art was mostly, the artist tried to paint things the way he would like for them to be, not the way that they are. But this Swindler comes up with a, a, a form that's called Golodge. Now, Golodge is a new art form, and he come up, you go to this dumpsters, uh, anything that's discarded as useless, and then you tape it together, tape it together, glue it together, Sorter all these pieces together, just junk. To me it is, but a lot of people like that. And uh, they, a lot of people liked it, and it was some of it sold for over $10,000 even before the artist died. Call collage. Anything that people would want to throw away, they could, uh, and he'd make a picture of that. Now, if I was to drive down the road and see some of that out here in a parking lot or someplace, it might be worth $10,000 to someone. 
But Mike, I'd probably call you and say, I got some junk over here. I got some metal over here for you. But you know, the greatest artist, the greatest collage artist that ever lived was Jesus, the one we call Christ. Because he takes those that everyone else has refused and he's as, 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 as absolutely hopeless and he takes them and he makes masterpieces out of them. Today I'd like to share one of those masterpieces. I think it's one of the greatest masterpieces that ever lived. Her name was Mary. Not the mother of Jesus, but Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene, I'm going to this study that I've done. My sister, she called me. She said, no, you don't, you don't have your luck. She said, do you want to borrow mine? I said, no, I've studied this, and I think I understand pretty much the message that I want to give today. It'll be, be, be given by different times in Murray's life. I'd like to start off the first vision, the first series. Murray had been, we would have called her, I think the Bible called her a mental sick prostitute. Jesus had prayed for, prayed for uh, Mary. She was called Mary Magdalene. Um, she wasn't from Magda, Mag- Magdala. I will explain that to you. But that's when she was there, and she had. That's when when it, Jesus met her. Jesus, we were told, had prayed for her six times. Before he'd ever, before he, and each time she would think, uh, just another man, because she didn't look in his face, and she'd come to the place that she hated men. And, uh, but one day Jesus said, Mary, and she'd have to look up and look into his face. Something happens when you look into the face of Jesus. Remember what happened to Peter when he looked into his face after denied him. Peter Peter was converted. She didn't see that hatred. She sees someone that really cared for her, someone that loved her. That changed her life. One day, she became a follower of of of, of our Lord, and. Uh, you know, when we see the picture of Jesus and his disciples traveling, we see Jesus and and the disciples right behind him followed them. It wasn't exactly like that. The picture, the true picture of Jesus and his disciples as they travel, you would see Jesus, the three closest companions, the three uh, disciples. Then you would see the women. And then the other disciples will be right behind them. And, uh, and the, the women mostly were women that had been in the same profession as Mary Magdalene. And uh, so when Jesus and his disciples when, and, and the women, now the women took care of, who, who do you think cooked for Jesus? Took care of their laundry. That was the women. They, they, they took care of the, these positions. I don't think you would, 
fine Peter cooking. <laughs> Take care of those things. Or John was too busy arguing with his brother over which was going to be the greatest in heaven. But we have, when they would approach a town, the leaders of this town would come out and cluck in and say, look, look in there. That's the Messiah. Look at that must of prostitutes with him. But Jesus didn't care. Jesus loved too much to care. And one day, Jesus said to Mary, Mary, you must go home. Mary said, well, first you have to realize how Mary got this way. While she's there, I will go into that. But this time she said, Mary, she said, Lord, I, I can't go home. I've embarrassed my family. And Simon led her into this position. He still lives there. She said again, Mary, you should go home. Go home to your family. And she said, but Lord, Mary, go home. Now her family, she came of, she had an older brother, Lazarus. She had an older sister, Martha. Now they lived in a really a better part of Jerusalem. I, I, we would call it the, the upper class apartment. This is where that most of the disciples or the, or the leaders, Pharisees and people of that caliber lived. They went, so the next picture we have is Murray sitting at the feet of Jesus. They're in her home. Martha was doing the cooking. And after a while, Martha came came in and she says, Lord, I need Mary to, to help me with the cooking. And Jesus kind of rebuked her, said, Mary, I love, you know, I love you and I just respect you so much and I love your cooking. <laughs> but Mary has, she has chosen the best. Well, the next picture we have Murray, we don't know what kind of business that Lazarus and Lazarus and Murray and and uh, uh, Martha was in. We don't know what kind of business at least Lazarus was in, but we do Martha. Martha seemed to have a catering business because you find in the Bible different places where Martha Martha is doing the cooking, and she'd always take with her her sister. Her sister Murray. Well, on this one occasion, she took she took her sister with her. And uh, first of all, I'd like to say that this is what happened: how that Murray happened to go to Magdala. Murray was uh, her sister Martha was doing some catering and cooking for. Evidently, they had a lot of uh, gatherings, parties. Uh, the Pharisees and the people that in that community did. And uh, but she was at Lazarus' house. She had her sister with her. And Simon looked over, or, or Simon's house. Simon looked over and seen her sister. Uh, Murray was very was was beautiful. She was a beautiful woman, very intelligent. And women at that time were not allowed of uh, uh, not allowed an education. And uh, he evidently, he probably contacted 
Martha and Lazarus and approached him about Tudor and Murray. Really, he had something else in mind, too, I think. Well, we, we know he did. So he, Murray, he actually said later that he loved Murray. They had a thing going, and uh, he seduced her. And one day she come in, and they, I don't know how long this was going on, but one day he come in, and, and uh, or she did, and says, Simon, honey, I've got some good news. He said, okay, what is it? She says, I'm going to have a baby. And he said, well, so what? Simon, it's your baby. It's our baby. Evidently, maybe they had talked about marriage. We, we, we don't know, uh, but probably before. But uh, he said, no. He said, you're going to have to leave. He said, I've got a lot of responsibility. I've got a lot of, uh, in this community, people respect me. And she said, but, but, but Simon... This, we, we, we love each other. I give you my love. I give you my body. He said, Murray, get lost. And Murray learned something at that time. She learned that people will not always, does it really mean love when they tell you that? They're just wanting to get something from you. So he, that's how that Murray left. She went up into Magdala. He suggested that she go up there. Maybe she had a cousin or a family member. We, we don't know, but she went up there and she had her baby. You can imagine at 15 years old. She's probably around 15. And she... You know, she, she comes to a place she hated men. Can you imagine what it must be like for to grow up and give your baby away? And this happens in this country an awful lot. I cannot, I, I cannot visualize in my own mind how that a mother must weep when she has to give a baby up. But she did it probably 15 years old. She realized that she couldn't provide for the baby. So she went to a foster home or someone adopted it, but probably the rest of your life you'd be wondering about the child that you had brought up. You'd be wondering, is, is, are they doing all right? And probably every time you'd get in the area that where the baby was adopted, you'd see someone about his age, and you would wonder whether well, that was him or not. But she said, she went up, and that's where that she met Jesus. And uh, so she started following Jesus, and now we find, I've told the other story, how that she was converted, and we find them going back to Simon's house. After she had come back, back home, Martha got another catered call, and she went back, she took Murray with her. Well, Murray, she had changed so much that Simon didn't really... She, he'd heard a lot of bad things. He had not heard how that Jesus had, she had been saved and was now 
a born-again Christian. He hadn't heard of that. But Murray was with him. She happened to look over, and the, the couches were low, and they were probably laying down, resting on one, uh, I think the left. On the right side was uh, someone else was laying, laying on them. But she seen the feet of Jesus. And she remembered a story that Jesus had told him about his death. The disciples paid absolutely no attention to it. But Murray remembered it. Murray went out and she purchased a, a, this spikenic perfume that came from the mountains of the Himalayas. Very expensive. The only time that that was used, that was used for embalming. It was used for embalming. And, and she ran home and got that and come in. And she got over the way that they, the, the, the tables and everything was set up the couches, they didn't see her. And she was down at the feet of Jesus. She said, I'm going to not anoint him now. These feet, in just a little while, they're no longer going to be walking the hills of Galgea. I'm going to be, I'm going to anoint him now. And she started pouring the perfume on his feet. And Simon he smelt that odor. And he said, who died? And then he noticed it was Murray. Murray was pouring it, and then Murray, and, he, and, and Simon was thinking, if Jesus could not be the Messiah, if, this, if he was the Messiah, he would understand who this is that's washing his feet, this, this, this ungodly person, this prostitute. He kept in touch through through others of what was happening to her, and he knew that she'd been a prostitute, and he didn't know that Jesus had, had saved her and that she was now one of his followers. And then he said, Simon, Jesus read his thoughts. He said, Simon, Who, if the one, if two, if, if two is forgiven a sum, which one would be you think would be the would be would love the Lord the most? And the one with the large sum give or the smaller? And he said the, with the large. And Jesus said, Murray, your sins have all been forgiven. Go in peace. He reminded Simon, said, Simon, the custom of our people is when they come, you should have had a pan of water, and you should have washed my feet or had someone to wash it. You did not do that. It's also the custom of our people when, when the guest comes, you greet them with a holy kiss. Your lips have not touched my face. You also, it's a custom with our people that when they, when they come in, you put something on the hair to take care of the dust. You truly prepare that person for this special meal. You didn't do any of that. And then he mentioned to Peter what, what this, this woman, what Mary was doing. Mary, she's not only washing my feet. You didn't have a towel here. There wasn't even a towel. And Mary had to use her 
her, her tears was falling down on Jesus' feet. And she, Mary had to take her hair down. And that was a no-no in Jewish custom. For a woman to take down her hair was a major. Uh, this is something that was not done. Mary took down her hair to wipe his feet the tears from her eyes. You know, Mary then, we find Mary in the next scene. She's at the cross. She's at the cross, and there's no one else there. Jesus is hanging on the cross. She's the only one that's there. They didn't all leave. One was left, Mary Magdalene, Mary of Magdala. And the, the crosses were not these big high scenes that you see. Oh, the cross looked like 10 feet high. The, the, the crucified ones, they're low. Why would they put a 10-foot cross up there? <laughs> no one's 10 foot. And it's probably low enough that she could touch his feet. We're told that she, again, she her tears where she, she mingled her tears with the blood and she was, again, wiping his feet with her tears mixed with the blood of Jesus. They all run off. Remember John took the other Mary away? But Mary Magdalene said, I'm not leaving. If they kill me, that's all right. I'll die. I will not leave my Lord. The next scene we have Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus taking him off the cross. Mary was with them. Mary was with them and he, she went to the tomb with him. She helped, she helped the Nicodemus and Joseph to take him down. She took him to the tomb. She left. Went back, they'd all gathered. She knew where the disciples, the scared disciples were. They were in the upper room with doors locked. She went in and she went she joined them, but that's all they talked about. Are you sure the, those locks on the door are good? I, uh, uh, Jim, Bill, did you check the locks? You check them again. That's all they wanted to talk about. They were scared to death that they were going to be killed too. Next morning, Mary got up. I mean, the disciples kind of looked around and said, how's the doors? Someone said, where's Mary? Mary's not here. Mary is this, where's she at? And they realized then. Mary went to the tomb to finish the, finish the uh, ceremony that they have uh, well, what is it we call, we call it embalming they finished the embalming but the, but the door was open I mean the door was, was open she couldn't under, understand the terrible thought that someone had stole her lord she ran back to the upper room they didn't they wouldn't believe her and yet, John and Peter, finally, she convinced them. They, they ran back with her. And after the scene that the 
stone had been rolled back, and J uh, J John got a hold of Murray and put his arms around her and said, Murray, let's go back. Let's go back to the upper, the upper room where that the last piece that we had with Jesus was there. He said, no, I'm not going back. She said, I want to be here at the last place I've seen him. She prayed, can you imagine? I don't think there's anyone ever loved the Lord like Murray did. She, she stayed there, and, and they, they left, tried to get her to go with them. She would not do it. And she fell on her knees, and she was crying. And she looked at she looked, and, and while she was on her knees, there was a robe and shoes in front of her. She thought it was a gardener. She said, where have you taken my Lord? Where have they taken my Lord? I'll go and get him, and I'll take care of him. Where did they take him? Like she could take care of a big... Uh, probably a good-sized carpenter. He said, Mary. And she looked up, and she said it was her Lord. And what did she do? She grabbed him around the legs with both arms, and she said, Lord, now I'll never let you go. I've got you. I'll never let you go now. He said, Mary, I have not yet ascended to the Father. I have not yet ascended to the Father. Now, Murray, would you go back and tell those chicken-livered disciples of mine that I'll meet them where that I had explained to them that I would meet them? Well, that's the story of Murray. That's a core lodge. Jesus Christ was the greatest core lodge painter or artist that ever lived. And that's his greatest example, the core lodge. That has to be the most precious painted artwork that he ever done. I don't know about you. I believe the core lodge artist is in this church today. I believe he's walking up and down this aisle, maybe. I don't know I don't know all of you. But I believe with all of my life that Jesus wants to make a masterpiece, a Corlodge masterpiece out of you. But he cannot do it until everything has been handed to him. Maybe there's something that we're still holding on to. Maybe there's something in the closet under the rug he wants you to take that out and give it to him take that out to give it to him he will make a master collage painted from you you know what he did for Murray he could do for you I was, I was thinking as I was working on this he seems to take the rejects. He seems to take the, the one that others would, would, would totally give up on if they would just give all to him what a masterpiece that would be. I think of Doug Batchelor. 
he's a modern. He's a modern uh, core lodge, living in a cave. Unbeliever, thief. Someone was mentioned one time in our church. I don't like for Doug Bachelor to talk about like that. I'm glad he does. It tells me that if he, God can take him and make a master, a core lodge out of him, he can do the same thing for any of us. Oh, friends, I want to see this church full of core lodge Christians. That's given their all to the Lord. I tell you, if it was, we're going to have people a lot of people at Wednesday night service. We're going to see these pews fulfill. Would you think about that? What Jesus can do for you? I believe with all of my heart a 99% Christian is a lost Christian. Well, I'm not saying that we will not make mistakes. We all do. I'm talking about known sin. That sin, that one little thing that you do not want to give up. And you know what you're doing? You're holding on. There's no one ever loved you like Jesus does. And he loves you the most. But the thing he hates the most is a sin in you. And if you will not let that go, you're grasping and holding on to the very thing that he hates the most. Do you think that it will be, Peter? I don't think so. What about John? Maybe. But you know, I wouldn't be surprised because the Bible says that one loves the most will be the closest to Jesus. And I wouldn't be surprised when we get to heaven seeing Murray there beside Jesus. Oh, Father, thank you for the message of, of Corlodge love. We love you, Father. Help us, Father, through the power of the Holy Spirit do that perfect work in our hearts that we can have the total assurance that we'll be in heaven and we'll be able to see the one that is sitting next to Jesus. And Father, I believe it might be Murray. Just help us each one to get there is our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.